Hail and well met. You must be today's passengers. Well, welcome aboard, welcome aboard. Your cabin is right this way. You'll find it all well stocked, ready for you. If I can just check your tickets, yes? Okay, everything seems to be in order. And who am I? Well, I'm Drew Broussard. I'll be your host, your guide, your tour guide, as we embark on an intrepid voyage, a voyage into genre. Surprise! It's me again. This year, I did something that started out a little selfishly. I was asking all of the people who came on the show to recommend something. Isn't it fun when you love the work of a particular artist, be they writer, musician, thinker, whatever? You love their work, and you're sort of suspecting that you will also love the things that they love, whether those are inspirational things or things that they're just enjoying at the time. So I clipped all of those out, was trying to sort of think about what I was going to do with them, and then I decided, what the hell? It's been a crazy year. We all deserve a little bonus. So, here are recommendations from all of this year's tour authors, starting with J.R. Dawson and Chuck Tingle. So, I've been recommending a lot of books, but I also, I I was thinking of a TV show that has been done for a couple of years, but I don't hear a lot of people talking about it. And I know that right now some people are boycotting Netflix because of a certain divergent strength. But when it when when it moves you to watch a Netflix show, there is this really beautiful cartoon that is so wacky and so silly, and also super dark has one of the best villains ever created. Centaur World is two seasons long. It's actually was written as a miniseries. So like it's not really two seasons. It's more like act one intermission act two. Um, but like I've binged it so many times. And my pitch for it is if you took like Attack on Titan, a character from that anime and like threw them into Adventure Time, what would happen? It's so good. And the Nowhere King is so creepy so well crafted and set up it's just ugh, it's how to do a villain it's so good number one most important piece of art in my life is a concert film stop making sense by the talking heads as a buckaroo on the spectrum seeing david byrne express himself in this unique way i think that um and without Stop Making Sense and David Byrne, I would not do any of this. So I think for any artist of any medium, watching that front to back is a recommendation I have. Next, we're going to go very modern, which is that uh, having just finished the show Barry, I think about it a lot. And, it, and the way that that explores the nature of evil and the way that someone's actions can kind of evolve, the way it explores characters, and also the way that it does reframe the expectations of the medium, which is a kind of a violent action TV show, by shooting them in a style that is very matter-of-fact to just kind of show 
violence in a very just sterile way. And that then in turn is both funny and kind of frightening. And then my last one that I I'm going to tweet about this or something. And this is very simple because as far as I can tell, this show is just basic entertainment value. But I've been watching a show called From, which is on a small streaming platform, I think MGM. And dang, I very much like it. It reminds me of if Lost was a horror show. Uh, and I got nothing to say as far as the deeper art of it. I'm, I'm just enjoying it. I have only finished the first season. And there are a lot of questions. And, and as some, a buckaroo who watched Lost when it came out, um, I was unsatisfied with some of the answers of Lost because I did ultimately feel like they were not, they, they, they said they were planned. And then when they got to them, I thought, eh, I, don't, I don't know if I believe you in that. Creators of From, I am giving them my trust right now because there are just as many, if not more questions, but I do get a very distinct impression that maybe they have learned from what happened to that show and that there is a very complex but very real answer at the end of this journey. So so we will see. I'm, I might come back to this podcast in five years and say, oh my gosh, can't believe I recommended that. They never answered any of the questions. But uh, for now, it has gripped me. Next up, recommendations from Emily Tesh, Vadra Chandrasekhara, and Ruthana Emres. Well, the thing is that I have just finished basically a year of working very hard and my brain is empty so it's been a while since i've read much what i have just read though and this is i'm sorry this is going to be nerdy i have just been reading beowulf because i like beowulf and i haven't read it for many years and it is so good it is so good i was in the tolkien translation today i finished that one and then i'm going to go and read the heaney translation I really, really love the works of J.R.R. Tolkien. He is not history's greatest poet, but by God, did he love Beowulf. And this this is also important, I think. Uh, it's really delightful to engage with an academic who is clearly also a fan. And I read his essay on the monsters and the critics, which is one of the famous ones. I reread that, and then I reread Beowulf, and now I've got to read more Beowulf stuff, and I'm going to read more Beowulf stuff. The thing that gets me about Beowulf is that it's these three monsters, right? It's Beowulf keeps turning up in places he shouldn't be. First, he turns up in the golden hall of the King of Denmark. He's not supposed to be there. He's not from there. He says, I hear you have an ogre problem. And he, he turns up there and he defeats Grendel. Brilliant. Well done, Beowulf. And then the ogre's mother complains. And so Beowulf goes another place he's not supposed to be, which is the underwater lair of Grendel's dam. And the descriptions are incredible. It's such good shit. It really does feel very fundamental to a lot of the modern genre of fantasy. And a genre a genre is so much people talking to each other about things they like. A genre is a set of promises and ideas that writers and readers are sharing with each other. It's like this fundamental thing of you go into a place where humans don't belong. And it is strange and it is spooky and it is wild and there is a monster there and you have to deal with that somehow oh it's good stuff it's good stuff it's good stuff it's good stuff and then in the sort of the final third Beowulf goes from being this like brave young hero proving himself to being this old man in his last battle and he comes to fight this dragon and the description of the dragon horse just got me because the description of this ancient ages ago this this forgotten 
great man of a great civilization lost of his people burying all his gold underground because there's no one left. There's no one left to wear it. There's no one left to carry the swords, to wear the armor, to wear the helmets. There's no one left to wear these beautiful things. And they're all buried underground with a curse on them. And the dragon moves in. So it's just such good shit. And you're like, yeah, this is what it's all about. You know what? I like, I like dragons. Dragons are great. So that's where I am right now. I am being Spanish about Beowulf. Um, and I think that's reasonable. I was literally just, as you said this, thinking about the last book I had that kind of strong reaction to, which was Spearcast Through Water by Simon Jimenez. And it's, it's just so, so good. <laughs> it has so much going on that you could literally pick any element and just talk about that element for like half an hour. Like, <laughs> um, like you could just say, for example, this whole book is just about the tortoises, the poor, tortured, telepathic tortoises who kind of bear the weight of this empire and are cracking under its weight. I mean, I feel like the tortoises are already one of the great fantasy symbols of our time, of the complicity of the intelligence here. <laughs> could just read this book for the tortoises and it would still be one of the best novels of the year. It certainly should win as many awards as is humanly possible. <laughs> uh, anyone who has not read this book should absolutely go and read it immediately. I really loved Arkady Martin's Rose House, which is this noir detective, cli-fi riff on haunting of Hill House that was incredibly dense and chewy and one of the more thought-provoking recent things I've read on AI, which is an area where I am currently saying, oh no, not another AI conversation, but that <laughs> one was great. Um, and then one last thing that I'll mention is that in addition to my love for the problematic texts of early weird fiction, I also love the problematic texts of mid-century musicals. And I got to see the new version of Oklahoma which uses all the original words, all the original songs, and just through directorial and acting choices, completely deconstructs and questions it and makes it a story about colonialism and the original sins of the creation of America on indigenous lands and gun violence. And I watched this and, you know, like the, there were, people walked out. Yeah. yeah that, that's how good and clever it was. Like pe people stormed out of this thing. And I could understand why you used to get riots in operas. And I was like, this, this tells me that this area that I love is going to get the same sort of deconstruction and remaking and continuing life that like Shakespeare does. And this stuff is not just going to fade into the dustbins of history because we can do this. Real quick, I'm gonna shake things up and give you a recommendation. A new podcast or a new series within an existing podcast from my old stomping grounds library, one of my favorite libraries in the world, the Brooklyn Public Library. Then, after that, we'll hear recommendations from S.L. Coney, S.L. Huang, Julia V., and Ken Babel. 
At Brooklyn Public Library, we're launching a new podcast series called Borrowed and Banned to help you understand how and why books are being removed from library shelves across the country and what you can do about it. You don't ban Toni Morrison unless you are trying to prevent people understanding a very profound truth. You know, it just brought me to a rage. We're focusing on our education, but we're also out here fighting a fight that your generation was supposed to fight. Subscribe to Borrowed and Banned wherever you find podcasts. I was just kind of looking through my bookcase and was like, oh, I, I need to talk about this book and I need to talk about this book. So the first one I'm going to share is My Phantoms, Theophile Gautier. It's a short story collection. He did a lot of kind of weird and uncanny stuff. So that is fantastic. The Luminous Dead by Caitlin Starlin. This has been a recent read of mine that I just, I adored it so much. And oh my gosh, the things that I want to talk about with this book, the way that she plays with like bodily autonomy and trust. It's, it's fantastic and creepy. Oh my gosh, so creepy. And then there is White is for Witching. I don't see enough people talking about this book. It is absolutely fantastic, weird, and great characters in here. And then, okay, I will never stop talking about this book. This is Siren Queen. Just, oh my goodness, there is a moment in this book that just like shattered my heart. The way that she plays with other and drive and ambition and perseverance. Like it's it's just it's an amazing book. And then I'm gonna go really old school. Paul Bowles, The Sheltering Sky, you know, talking about subtext, talking about a feeling of dread, right? And a feeling of this heaviness, this oh my goodness, you know, something something is coming. And it's just um I'm I'm absolutely, you know, a a fool for anything set in a desert and this is just it's 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 phenomenal i love it and then my last one is i feel like i have not talked about karen russell enough saint lucy's home for girls raised by wolves the way that she writes her worlds where you have these fantastical elements that just are right and and they just happen and the way that she works the bizarre and with the normal every day is um I love it. I love the imagination. I love the world building. I can't believe I haven't brought Karen Russell into the conversation. So yeah. <laughs> I'm terrible at favorites questions. So now <laughs> suddenly of course I'm completely drawing a blank as to what I want to recommend. Um okay, I'm going to this is going to be super out there, but it's just the first thing that's coming to mind. Hell yeah. Um, my UK publisher, Solaris, one of the publicity things they asked me to do was to put together a, a playlist. And um, I'm not somebody who usually listens to music when I'm drafting because I'm a big, big Broadway nerd uh, coming out of theater. And uh, mm. it's just too distracting. I start singing along and thinking yeah. about the story. Yeah. So, um, but, uh, and I was also kind of thinking, man, I listen to almost no actual popular music. <laughs> so like Broadway and classical. And my, my publisher was, was saying, saying to me, that's okay. Just make it how you would make it. So, so I did. And um, it's basically half Broadway show tunes. Uh, a lot of them about, you know, powerful but questionable women. Like uh, Got Wicked on there, Got Into the Woods, uh, 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 Songs of Revolution, Les Mis, Hamilton, you know. And yeah. then all, yeah. And then about half of it is uh, uh, Chinese songs or different Chinese media. Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon soundtrack, which is one of my favorites. Um, but one of the ones that I really definitely wanted to include because I knew this already 
was um, Jackie Chan is a pop star in Asia and sings. And if people don't know this, I think it's amazing. I discovered this uh, a long, long time ago when I was watching the Chinese version of Mulan, which he does both the Cantonese and Mandarin voices and singing for Li Shan. Wow! And like it's it's so good. And there's if you if you go if you go to YouTube and you type in like Jackie Chan Mulan Cantonese Man Out of You or something, you could, there's a, a music video of him doing martial arts and singing in Cantonese. Mulan's Man Out of You and it's so good and I really wanted to put that on and couldn't find it but there's there's another Jackie Chan song on there um, and uh, I, I think it's really fun um, the song I included on my playlist is him covering a, a different song from one of his own action movies <laughs> that's like a soundtrack so the whole thing soundtracks right but um, it's just uh, it's just kind of fun to to know that and to listen to him sing uh, the, the, these very uh, energetic types of songs and stuff. So uh, if you're if you're uh, interested in just uh, something that feels quite whimsical to me in terms of uh, people's different interests in the world, and if you're a, a martial arts movie fan and want to check out Jackie Chan singing, um, that is my my piece of piece of the world trivia to uh, go go check out. <laughs> So um, I just read The Mountain in the Sea by Ralph Naylor. It is brilliant. I was actually a little afraid to start it because I'm squeamish and like I'm not good with horror, but it's such an exploration about loneliness and connection. It's really beautiful. I, I'm so glad I read it. You know, I, I tore through it in two days, which for me is given how many obligations I have, that's really unusual. It was a lot of late nights where I'm like, I'm just going to read another chapter, you know? Highly recommend. This ties into the whole bureaucracy thing. I just finished reading Orconomics. I don't know if you've heard of this. No. It's modern economic sensibilities applied to traditional high fantasy. So you got orcs, goblins, knights going on quests to kill dragons and manticores and all this stuff. But it's built around the idea that you put in a claim on a horde and then the hero's guild finances your adventure by selling stakes of the future horde and then using that to finance your adventure and then if you come back you get a cut of that and then everybody gets paid out it's like hitchhiker's guide to the galaxy but with high fantasy because it's a total satirical skewering of high fantasy where everybody is in it for the money okay deep breath here we go last run it's ve schwab lena rather Kristen Simmons, and Johnny Compton. You know, I'm now looking through what I've read. I've had such shit taste this year. <laughs> I just like, I went back, I went from working on Threads of Power, which is like 700 pages long, to working on this book, my next standalone that I'm calling like my anti-Addy. And it's such a, it's like 500 years. And I'm like, I just, I've had no brain. I mean, look, what we do in the shadows it's the thing I look forward to every week. Also, Miracle Workers. Have you ever watched Miracle Workers? I ha It's like sitting in my queue because I keep being like, should I? Daniel Radcliffe is flawless. It's an anthology show, which is the weirdest thing about it. Written by Simon Rich, who's a brilliant short story writer. And so he wrote this whole show. And each season takes on a complete, like the current season is the apocalypse. The season before that was like Oregon Trail. Steve Buscemi was God in the first season, which is all about heaven and like menial labor in heaven. <laughs> it's really nice. They're like 20 minute episodes, which I feel like oh. is sometimes it's just really ideal. On the book front, I am listening to a memoir by a Scottish comedian, Fern Brady, strong female character. Yeah, I saw yeah. her on Taskmaster. 
Oh, uh, fabulous. I highly recommend listening to that one because it's narrated by her and she has such a strong Scottish accent that it's quite nice. Um, <laughs> I'm quite biased about that. But yeah, I um, I, I discover a podcast and then I have to listen to every single episode of the podcast. And I'm currently mm-hmm. really addicted to Smartless, which is Jason Bateman, mm. Sean Hayes and Will Arnett. And they've been talking like they just did. I just listened to the Jordan Peele one, which is like two years ago. But they're literally talking about directing and, and I think it was actually Natasha Leone because I listened to that one before and talking about like the process, the way they described directing and then the editing sounded so much like the antagonism that I feel towards first draft, which was this idea that like the longer you work on it and the more you revise it, the like less it resembles the thing that you started with. And then how much do you try to hold on to? This is all to say, very long way of saying, I love the creative cross-pollination of craft. I love hearing artists in different fields describe some of the same neuroses that I feel with my own work. It's the same reason that I'm very honest and open about creativity and the hills and valleys of it online, because I think whether you're working on your first book or your 24th, like whether you're unpublished or a bestseller, like the fact is we all sit down and confront a blank piece of paper or blank, you know, document. And I think that that can be really heartening in an industry that often feels very lonely and very isolating and creativity specifically for authors and for artists is a one-on-one like it's just you yeah it's not uh, it's not um it, it, it gets to be a team when it gets to the revision and the publication but when it comes to the actual manifestation of story it's deeply lonely and that means that when you're struggling it can often feel like that's an indictment of your ability instead of a descriptor of the fact that it's hard. <laughs> I'll, I'll name one thing for the fiction readers and one thing for the nonfiction readers. This is a very, like, I don't know, kind of basic bitch recommendation maybe, but um, The Thursday Murder Club by Richard Osman. I just read this book, and I have been in a fiction reading slump for, like, several years, like, the pandemic was over and all of a sudden I could not read fiction anymore. It was terrible. And this book is just so fun. It's one of those books where it has this like British theatrical sense of reality. There's a lot of like negative reviews about it. They're like, people don't act like this. This is ridiculous. I'm like, yeah, that's, that's what's amazing about it is <laughs> it's like sort of like you're watching like a weird stage play with a lot of British humor. And I think it's just wildly enjoyable. And then for those people who read A Season of Monstrous Conceptions and think, oh, my God, I love, like, the gory, weird history. I want more gory, weird history. There is a book called Holy Bones, Holy Dust by Charles Freeman, which is all about people doing really strange, gross things with, like, the bones of kings or the bones of saints. It is wildly fascinating, incredibly weird, and it will make you feel like your ancestors were total aliens. I just finished Fourth Wing yesterday, and I was pretty jazzed about that. <laughs> you should check it out. It's wild. It's wild because I. Right. It's like a. It's like a doorstopper, right? It's this huge book, and people are like, "Oh, it's so sexy. Oh, it's so sexy." You know, you'll love it because I love sex. Oh, it's so sexy. So I was like, four hundred pages, and I'm like, "Uh huh, uh huh. What are we doing?" And then <laughs> it happens. Then you hit that moment that you're like, "Oh." <laughs> And to the end of the book, you're like, yes, yes, yes. (laughs) (laughs) So good. I I definitely had a total book hangover after that was done. I was kind of slumping around texting a friend being like, I miss them. (laughs) (laughs) A book that has just come out that I did get a chance to 
to read in advance that I'm very excited about in the realm of ghosts, even beyond ghosts, actually, and, and into something potentially darker, both supernatural and human, is uh, The Devil's Promise by Celso Hurtado, who's mm. another San Antonio author. <clears throat> Highly recommend that to everybody. And that I'm going to recommend, it's not in the horror genre, it's, it's mystery, but I, I really still love it. Anywhere You Run by Wanda Morris. Fantastic author, uh, really, I think, uh, among her best work. Um, possibly her best, possibly my favorite of hers. Again, more in the mystery vein, but, you know, I think mystery is basically a cousin to horror, but it's, it's, I just really think that that's a, a, a wonderful book. Well, that's that. It was nice to see you all again, just for a moment, and I hope you take away some cool new things to check out. Remember, Your holiday shopping is best done at small businesses, particularly independent bookstores. We never shop at the South American Monopoly River when we can avoid it. And be sure to tell the people you love about the things that you love. And to tell the people who make the things that you love that you loved them. It'll make you feel good, I promise. All right. Anyway, safe voyages until the next time we meet, friends. I'll see you soon. This has been Tor Presents Voyage Into Genre, a co-production with LitHub Radio. I'm your host, Drew Broussard. Music was by Danny Lencioni of Evelyn. Mixing, mastering, and production courtesy of Stardust House. Thanks very much to the teams at Tor and at LitHub, and to all of you for listening.